We're doing this series. Uh, we just started on joy. And uh, I really do believe that this is something that God wants us to be increasingly experiencing in our lives um, and in our church is His joy. Um, you know, the Bible says, in His presence there is fullness of And where is His presence on earth today? It's in us. It's in His church. That's what His Word says, that the presence of God now dwells with us. So if we are living in the presence of God, then surely uh, our lives should be characterized by joy, right? We should be known for joy. And so that's why we're uh, looking at this, doing a series on this, because I do believe this is what God wants us to enter into uh, more and more. And one of the aspects of joy I want us to look at this morning is that of celebration. Okay, the joy of celebration. Um, because the church really ought to be known as the people who love to celebrate. Uh, the people who bring the party, as it were. Rather than being a bunch of killjoys, uh, which sadly I think is the impression that many people have of the church. And it is sad because... When you read the Bible, you see it's full of parties. It's full of joyful feasts and celebrations, right? You certainly see that in the life of Jesus. Uh, he was accused by the Pharisees of being a glutton and a drunkard, which of course he wasn't, but it's because he was eating and drinking with the tax collectors and sinners. And then what did Jesus choose to do for his very first miracle? turned water into the best wine so that the wedding celebration could continue. Jesus brought the party. And then you see in the parables, there are, uh, there are a number of feasts mentioned uh, in his parables. Probably the most famous is that of the prodigal son, where the wayward son returned home, and this is what the father said, Luke 15, 23, Bring the fattened calf, kill it, let's eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. It says they had a party with music and dancing. Um, now if you remember, the elder brother was working out in the field. And when he heard all of this commotion, he complained. He criticized uh, and I think, you know, sadly, the church in the West today appears more like that elder brother, more like maybe the moralizing Pharisees than it is like God. God is the father in the parable who says, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. In fact, uh, Jesus said there is great rejoicing going on in heaven over every sinner who repents which means there must be a continual party going on in heaven, right? That's the atmosphere of heaven. Or as C.S. Lewis said, joy is the business of heaven. And if my use of the word party is making you feel a little uncomfortable, um, I'm afraid that it's probably because of your misuse of the word, uh, where maybe you did too much partying or your experience has led you to cringe right now when I talk about Jesus bringing the party, right? Maybe that was your party, but let's redeem it, right, for the kingdom's sake because 
the atmosphere of heaven is like that of a party. That's why the theme of um, celebration is a dominant one that we find in Scripture. It just raises a question, though, I think, you know, are, have we been missing out? Have we been missing out? I do feel this is something that is needed more in the church today, the joy of celebration. Uh, we need that in our lives. And one of the things that will increase our joy is by being intentional about taking time to celebrate and to rejoice in the goodness of God. Um, and we see that happening twice in the book of Nehemiah. So I want us to turn there, please, one final time as we conclude that particular series of messages. And we're going to look, first of all, at Nehemiah chapter 8, which is the passage we looked at last week. And that's where the Israelites, who, having been in exile for many years, they, they kind of rediscovered God's Word. Had Ezra the priest come and read it to them, and they suddenly realized that God had ordained feasts for His people. And being that it was the seventh month of the year, they realized, actually, they should be preparing for the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Tents, uh, which was a, a time of celebration where historically God's people would reenact with great joy uh, the Exodus, where they would have, their ancestors would have dealt, dwelt in tents as they traveled through the wilderness. And so uh, as they got ready for the feast, this is what it says in verse 10 of Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah said to the people, go your way, eat the fat or eat rich food and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. Or to uh, translate it slightly differently, uh, share what you have with those who don't have anything. For this day is holy to our Lord. In verse 12 it says, And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions, and to make great rejoicing. And in verse 17 it says, And there was very great rejoicing. Um, and what we have to remember there is that this was God's idea, all right? God told them to do this. Uh, this was built into their rhythm of life as a community. In fact, Israel's calendar consisted of seven uh, holidays where they would have taken time off in order to feast. Um, and sometimes for a whole week. Think about that for a second. A whole week, seven days of feasting, of eating and drinking, celebrating before the Lord. And they didn't have to feel guilty about it. Didn't have to feel like somehow it was self-indulgent because it was God-ordained. Uh, it was God's party, so to speak, that they were invited to rejoice before Him uh, in. And, um, and of course, everyone got invited, including the poor, who didn't have anything to bring because God made sure there was provision for them as well. Right? Isn't, isn't that what the church should be like? And if you, you know what, if you add up all those feast days that ancient Israel would have celebrated, right, that is a lot of celebrating going on. And especially if you add to that births and, we and weddings, if you know anything about Jewish weddings, I mean, these are extended periods of uh, feasting and merrymaking. Um, so, you know, it means each person actually would have taken several weeks off a year just to party. Think about that. And that's under the old covenant, right? 
I mean, with the coming of Jesus, um, we have even more cause to celebrate because he fulfilled the reason for every single one of those feasts. In a sense, with Jesus, every day should be a celebration. The question is, are we taking the time to celebrate? You know, the one feast that we do have that could be seen as replacing all those Old Testament feasts is what the early church called the love feast. And that was when they celebrated the Lord's Supper together uh, as a proper meal. And they would have done that since the very early days of the early church. Uh, and certainly for the first um, few uh, centuries where they gathered, and they would have gathered over a proper meal and celebrated uh, what Jesus had done for them. And they would have done that on a very regular basis. Uh, so let's just read from uh, Acts 2.46, so right at the beginning of the church. It says here, and I've used two other translations, New Living uh, Translation and the Message. So it says, They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in their homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And then from the message it says, They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised the Lord. The problem is, of course, over the centuries, we've turned this rather joyful feast into something of a somber ritual uh, with uh, a thimble of juice and half a cracker, right? It's a bit hard to celebrate with that, isn't it? Uh, we'll come back to that at the end. Let's go back to Nehemiah now to chapter 12 because we read about another great celebration there. And this time it's a huge parade and there's a great celebration of music and worship. And on this occasion, they're celebrating the rebuilding of the wall and they're dedicating that wall to God, giving thanks to him for his faithfulness. But it's worth noting this before we read it, that the work was not yet completed. All right? This is chapter 12. There's still another chapter to go in Nehemiah. Uh, there were still further reforms that needed to be made. Uh, there were leaders that needed to be appointed. Uh, there were issues of uh, morality and injustice that needed to be addressed. All right? So um, there was still work to be done. But you know what? There's always going to be work that needs to get done. Right? There will always be work that we need to be doing. At some point, we just have to stop, press the pause button, and take time to celebrate the goodness of God in what's already been done. And that's what they did there in Jerusalem. Let's just read. I'm going to read from verse 27. I've kind of edited this section uh, because there's a lot of um, names in it which I can't pronounce. So here's the edited version. <laughs> verse 27 says, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites and all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals and harps and lyres. And in verse 31 it says, Then I, Nehemiah says, I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. What he did essentially was to divide all the people into two and created these two big choirs who got up on the wall, one heading south, and then it says in verse uh, 38, the other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north, followed by uh, Nehemiah and half of the people. So you've got these two great choirs 
uh, of singers and musicians walking on top of the wall, going these different directions, but encircling the whole city of Jerusalem and then ending up uh, together at the temple, ending with this great crescendo of praise in the temple. Um, and so it says in verse 40, both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of the Lord. And in verse 43, it says, there they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. I love that. The joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Is that what people are hearing from us? You know, people here on the seacoast. Are they saying, hey, what's that happy noise I hear? Right? What's that happy noise? Who's throwing a party? Oh, it's the joy of New Frontiers Church. Wouldn't it be great if that was what people were here, if we were known for that? It's what God wants his people to be known for. We're called to be the joy of the whole earth. That's what his word says. How badly is that needed in the earth today? And particularly in our, in our own culture where there is just so much uh, disillusionment and, and cynicism, you know? So when Nehemiah says, let's, look, let's stop here and take time to celebrate the goodness and the faithfulness of God, what might that look like for us today? What might that look like for us and what would be the result of that? That's what I want us to look at now, okay? So first of all, what might it look like? Just speaking personally, um, I think I would, uh, I would love to take more time just to appreciate the blessings of life. To push that pause button a little bit more, just to stop, to remember, to be thankful, and to appreciate, you know, to find joy and delight in all of life. You know, in family, in friends, in work, in, in where I live, and so on. I heard a story someone shared uh, recently and of how they were in a taxi in Houston uh, heading for the airport on the way from a, a, a busy conference and uh, got talking to the taxi driver uh, just about, you know, life and family and found out that the taxi driver was from Ethiopia and had been in, in the United States for 20 years. And so this guy, uh, who the passenger, whose name was Mike, he said to the taxi driver, you know, seeing as you didn't grow up here, what's your take on the American culture? And so the taxi driver paused for a moment, and he said, can I be honest with you? And Mike said, yeah, of course. And he said, I'm from Ethiopia. Every day here is a good day. And I just don't understand why people aren't walking around here with their hands in the air saying, thank you, thank you. You know, and it's true. When you consider the, the hardships, the conditions that so many people in the world have to uh, face and to, and to live in, you know. Um, and so... You know, regardless of whatever's going on in our lives right now and the personal difficulties we may be facing, the, the truth is we still have so much to celebrate and be thankful for. Uh, and so often, you know, we just rush from one thing to another or just kind of preoccupied with our phones or 
uh, you know, just fretting about the stuff of life that we don't always celebrate what we have. Or take time just to notice the, you know, the sunset, just to pull over and just take joy in it. Um, or hear the birds singing or to appreciate where we live and so on. Just to thank God for it, you know. Um, but, of course, to really experience the joy of celebration, you have to do it with others, don't you? It's not something you just do on your own. Uh, what we see here in Nehemiah is they celebrated as a community. They celebrated together. And, of course, the joy is all the greater when you celebrate with others. It just enriches your own joy, right? So you see a, a magnificent sunset by yourself. It's not quite the same as being able to share that with someone else. Even though we try and take pictures, it just never does it justice, does it? Or maybe you're watching um, a football game. You're watching the Super Bowl uh, on your own at home, watching it on TV, and it's your team, and they, and they come back from the dead, and they clinch the win with just the most amazing touchdown, and so you're there going, yay, yay. You know, it's just not the same, is it? It's not the same. It's not as fun uh, as being able to celebrate uh, with others, like this, uh, like this group here. Now imagine for a minute that was our worship service on a Sunday morning, <laughs> where, if you think about it, we are celebrating something infinitely more astounding and amazing. Christ's victory over Satan, sin, and death for us so that we could be with him for all eternity, right? Why wouldn't we celebrate like that on a Sunday morning? You see? Yeah. But you know what? People will say, oh, that's emotionalism, that is. That's emotionalism. That's a bit over the top. Really? Is it? How can you increase your joy by taking time to celebrate with others? Actually, on the whole, I think Americans do a pretty good job. Certainly better than uh, Brits do. Because you've got holidays like Fourth of July and like Thanksgiving, right? I mean, Thanksgiving, where these holidays where you feast, right? And you can... Thanksgiving is just the best holiday. I don't know who invented it. Whoever invented it was a genius. It's the most brilliant holiday there is, you know? Fourth of July, not so much. I mean, I'd, I'm not. <laughs> it's a bit of a silly holiday, really, isn't it? I don't know why people celebrate that. But Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is an amazing holiday. In fact, did you know that, um, uh, according to one major supermarket chain in the UK, uh, now one in six Brits are celebrating Thanksgiving because they're so envious, right? You were just there, right? Uh, and we know that because the sale of turkeys went up 95% in the last five years. So on our calendars, all right, there are already holidays we can celebrate along with everyone else. But they can also be times when we can just take a few moments. That's what I'm encouraging you to do. Just take a few moments to thank God for his goodness and his faithfulness, right, for family and for friends, for life and for liberty. Right, let's not neglect to do that. Uh, we can celebrate birthdays and anniversaries in the same way. You know, I know some people aren't into celebrating birthdays, you know, especially when you get to my age. Um, but in actual fact, it should be an opportunity to celebrate that I made it this far. 
right? It should be a cause for celebration. Maybe we should look at these occasions with fresh eyes, be a bit more intentional, you know, about making them opportunities to celebrate God's faithfulness. Another year of his faithfulness in my life. Another year of his faithfulness in my marriage. Another year of his faithfulness, maybe in my sobriety. Whatever it is, whatever the anniversary is that you're celebrating. Um, but to celebrate it. You know, AA do a good job of this, right? They, they celebrate each anniversary. They, they will give, uh, in many cases, a coin, uh, a medal, if you want, to celebrate that particular uh, anniversary. Maybe I could do that in my marriage. You know, give Emma a great big medallion to celebrate God's grace in making it to 35 years with me, right? Yeah, she deserves it. God is good. What other kinds of celebrations could be built into the rhythm of our lives and families? It might be births. Uh, someone mentioned to me earlier on about uh, the, the, the spiritual birth. You know, when you were born again, or maybe you were baptized to celebrate, you know, those occasions. It could be, uh, you know, passing exams, graduations, achievements, accomplishments, and so on. Uh, some of you here are great at this, I know. All right? Maybe we just need to join your celebration. Right? Just let us in. Um, last week I mentioned uh, George and Sue Carlisle over here, two of the most joyful people I know. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's because they spend so much time celebrating. Uh, so Emma and I met them a couple of weeks ago on their way to a class reunion, a breakfast. Class reunion. It, the class of... No, it's all right. Class of whatever, right? People who are, who are still living on the seacoast, they gathered for a class reunion breakfast. But here's the thing. They do it every month. Wow. That is a monthly class reunion celebrating their friendship over all these years. Now, that takes some planning, intentionality. But that's what I'm talking about here, right? How we choose to celebrate is going to vary. I'm not going to tell you how to celebrate. I'm just trying to convey here the importance um, of celebration in our lives and to encourage us to um, take that opportunity to celebrate God's faithfulness as we do, all right? And, and then there's the celebration in our church family life together. Many traditional churches use a church calendar, uh, which churches like ours tend to dismiss. Um, because, you know, I used to think that times like Easter and the Advent season were not a big deal. Uh, apart from the fact, of course, you get more guests coming then, in which case we make it a big deal, all right? But the way I used to see it, my reasoning was that for Christians, every day should be a, se a resurrection day. Celebrate the resurrection. You know, every day we should be celebrating Jesus coming into the world, except that we don't celebrate that every day, do we? At least I don't. You know, not in a focused way. You know, every day just merges into another. It just seems like the one before. Uh, but when you have these special days and seasons, it actually helps to uh, create a rhythm in our lives together that is shaped by the gospel. Um, it may lead you to periods of fasting, uh, like in the season of Lent, or times of quiet and reflection. Uh, and then that will then give you a greater appreciation and thankfulness for those seasons of feasting. Right? Our joy in the celebration will be heightened because of it. Right? Can you see that our lives actually is richer uh, with these kinds of rhythms 
Um, so maybe we could do with more of a church calendar, right? More opportunities to celebrate God's grace, right? Like, what about, for example, uh, Trinity Sunday? Hands up if you celebrate Trinity Sunday. Okay, same in the first service. No one. Did you realize that for centuries, centuries, much of Christendom, many traditions celebrate Trinity Sunday with a feast. With a feast. Millions of people all over the world, right, today, celebrate Trinity Sunday with a feast. Who knew? What have we been missing out on? We missed the feast, right? We missed the feast. June 7th, maybe we should do something. Trinity Sunday, it's the week after Pentecost. So, um, of course, we do have some of our own celebrations. We've created some of our own traditions. Um, so, International Sunday, my favorite Sunday of the year, uh, is a time when we have great celebration here uh, annually where we worship, we parade flags, we, we feast together, um, and there's uh, food and, uh, and taste of the nations. It's a wonderful time. Uh, we also had our first Enough prayer event last November. We had 140 people come. Uh, that's the most people we've ever had come to a prayer meeting. You know why? Food. Yeah, exactly. You see, we love to celebrate. We just Any opportunity, right, then we'll take it. So food, uh, we had a great time. It was a chili fest, and that was where we broke bread. Big hunks of bread, big cup of grape juice. Uh, that was our version of the love feast because we also took the opportunity to celebrate God's goodness and to give thanks. Uh, it was so good, we're going to do it three times this year. And uh, the next one will be March 20th. March 20th, we'll do it again. I think we can even improve upon that one, certainly in how we broke bread and so on. But you know, it's, a, it's another opportunity uh, to build some celebration into the rhythm of our church life together. And, and when we are celebrating, okay, here's something to, to consider. When we are celebrating, let's make sure we invite people who may not have much to celebrate. Um, a few years ago, we held a, a winter banquet downtown Portsmouth, and um, it was for anyone who would like a meal, and we invited people who were living on the streets or from the shelter. Uh, it was just a one-off we did, uh, just to give some reprieve to the harshness of life on the streets, just to be able to give some joy. And so we did this big banquet, and uh, the UNH uh, athletes came and helped us. They all dressed up. Uh, we, it, was a, it was a proper do, three-course meal, uh, proper table linens and china and silverware, and they were dressed up uh, to wait on tables and to serve uh, the mostly homeless population in Portsmouth. It was a great occasion. Um, but I was thinking of that again as I was reading this in Nehemiah, where it says, God gives commands to share what you have with those who don't, in the midst of the feast to do that. And I was reminded, of course, of uh, Jesus' words in Luke 14, where he says this, he says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't just invite your friends or your brothers and sisters or your relatives or rich neighbors because they'll just invite you in re return and you'll just be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor and the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed because they can't repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And I was just uh, chatting with uh, Ray Forsey about this, wondering if there might be an opportunity for us to host people here one lunchtime a week. 
uh, maybe do a banquet on special occasions, people who would appreciate a meal and maybe some community. That might be people in the streets. It might be uh, senior citizens, I don't know. But, you know, if that rings your bell, if that's something you want to get involved in or you want to head up for us, just let me know, right? Speak to Ray Fawzi or myself. So I'm just giving you some ideas of what this might look like. Um, and you may well have ideas of your own, in which case, please go and act on them. Uh, just be sure to invite us along as well, okay? So, what then will be the result if we take this seriously? If we're more intentional about taking time to celebrate, what will be the result? Three things I just want to close with. I'll just mention these briefly, all right? Three things, and then we're going to break bread. Number one, your joy will increase. Your joy will increase. When we regularly take time just to stop what we're doing, to celebrate special occasions, mark those milestones, rejoice in the beauty that's around us, while all the time thanking God for his goodness, all right, it will begin to change your attitude and your outlook. Instead of just taking every day for granted, we begin to receive each day as a gift. Uh, we'll start to find greater joy and delight in all of life. Now, of course, that doesn't mean it's easy to do that. You know, there's often a discipline to celebration uh, because you don't always feel like it, do you? We don't always feel like uh, celebrating because, uh, after all, there's always going to be pressing stuff that we have to deal with uh, in our lives, whether that's, I don't know, whether that's uh, repaying debt, um, uh, restoring our marriage, uh, mending relationships, uh, overcoming you know, sinful behavior, uh, or fighting injustice, whatever it is, there's always stuff that we need to be working on or stuff that needs to be done, and it, that can seem endless. And that's why God ordains times and seasons of celebration and rest in the midst of it all. Right? It's why it's so important in the midst of all that, because that's not going to go away necessarily, right? But in the midst of all that, we just take time to stop, push that pause button, just to remember and to celebrate, right? To remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. Uh, in even the small things, you know, in even the small victories, uh, because that's what will sustain you as you go through life. That's what will enable you to make it through to the end because it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. It's the joy of the Lord that is your strength and that will carry you through. Right? That's why this is important. And when we choose to celebrate, and especially in the midst of adversity, then we are in some ways defying our circumstances and we're defying the enemy because we're choosing to put our trust in God to remember him in it all, you see? Um, and so not only will our joy increase, but our fear and anxiety will decrease. Right, when we take time to celebrate, fear will decrease. There was a time when Nehemiah had to say to God's people, uh, do not be afraid, because they were being threatened on every side by their enemies, and uh, who caused them, no doubt, to feel anxious and to feel afraid. And so Nehemiah says, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. 
And then here we find in chapter 12, Nehemiah organizing this great big parade with two big choirs of the wall coming together at the temple at the end with this great anthem of praise to God's faithfulness. But did you wonder, why did they do it that way? Why not just all meet in the temple in the first place? That would seem the obvious thing to do. Why all this kind of walking on the wall? Well, my theory is because earlier on when they were facing opposition, two of their enemies called Sambalat and Tobiah taunted them and mocked them and said, these feeble Jews, what do they think they're doing? Look at that wall, it's pathetic. And Tobiah says, if even a fox goes up on that wall, it's going to fall down. So what was the people's response to that? Well, I think that's what we see here. Literally hundreds of people marching on the wall. Right? Surely that was deliberate. It was like a declaration to their enemies. Ha! Ha! Look at what God just did. Look at what God did. You see, they were celebrating God's victory over their enemies who said that they would never do it. They were walking on the wall of God's faithfulness, is how I've heard it described. They were walking on the wall of God's faithfulness. And where are their enemies in this picture? Nowhere to be found. Where, where's their accusers now? Gone, you see. Celebration silences criticism and cynicism. It deals a blow to fear and anxiety. Right? Now, there were still battles ahead. There were still obstacles ahead of them. There was still an enemy, right? And we may feel those things in our own lives. But we can still celebrate in spite of that and even in defiance of that. Right? We can celebrate what God has already done and proclaim his victory, even though it may not be complete yet. And that's not triumphalism. That's just declaring the truth that, God, that Christ Jesus has already won the ultimate victory. And he leads us in his triumphal procession. He has already overcome, and in him we will overcome as well in the end. We will overcome because of Jesus. So we can celebrate not just God's faithfulness in the past, but what he's promised to do in the future, knowing that he who has promised is faithful. Amen? We walk on the wall of his faithfulness. Is that what you're doing today? Are you walking on the wall of his faithfulness? Right, let's take time to celebrate. Right, throw a party for even the small victories and accomplishments. Right? Perhaps you've had two years in recovery, some form of recovery, and um, you just had a major slip-up. And those voices are going to come to you, already are, in your head, saying, how pathetic, how feeble, you'll never do it, you may as well give up now. Don't listen to them. Get back up on that wall. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. Maybe it's been 24 hours now, well, let's celebrate that. Or one week, or one month, or one year. Let's celebrate each step of the way, amen? Listen to John Tyson on this. John Tyson said, Celebration is the practice of defiance against cynicism. It's spiritual warfare against hopelessness. It's a prophetic reminder of who God is and what God can do. Amen. So taking time to celebrate God's faithfulness will increase your joy. It will decrease your fear. And then lastly, it will be heard far away. 
right? It proclaims to the world that there is good news to be heard. People start asking questions, you see. Why are they so joyful? What are they celebrating? I want some of that, right? I pray that the overriding sound coming out from our church is one of joy, and it will be heard right across the seacoast and beyond. And listen, if you're new here today, if you're new here, and the sound that you've heard coming from the church, any church, is one of criticism and judgment towards you, then I am really sorry about that. All right? We want you to hear a different sound here. Right? We don't want to be like that elder brother. We want to be like the father. There's a party. And you and I are invited to join in and to celebrate with him. Amen.